0: This is the straight dope. I got a couple emails and a message asking about factory ammo and some of the things that I've been doing, and I thought it might be a really fun episode just to throw in kind of randomly out of out of my projected sequence here to talk about some of this factory ammo stuff. And... I think it's kind of fun because it's the type of subject that causes a lot of people to freak out, you know, and I kind of visualize some people like spitting their coffee all over their car while they hear me talk about this. But I like kind of skating that zone between, you know, how do you use information that's scientific, but also how do you keep in mind that we're all practical users and going between kind of the known facts and then the practical application I think that there's some things that we could talk about and have cool discussions about knowing that I'm just sitting in my basement here and uh imagining you guys spitting coffee all over the place so bear with me if, if you've got strong opinions about factory ammo and or hand loading uh this could get a little bit spicy so the first question was uh you shoot a lot of factory ammo it sounds like how do you use factory ammo for training, and what are your standards for training with factory ammo? And I think that's a great question. The factory ammo obsession that I've had the last couple years has continued, and I think that factory ammo is really cool. I think it's easy to get. I think that it tends to be of a high enough quality that you can get really good training value from it, and I really just don't enjoy hand-loading, and I find that my time is better spent doing some other things, unless... I'm shooting and I have to have the control over the ballistic numbers such that you know I I know I can actually hit the targets and and sometimes absolutely 100% your factory ammo requirements um, are such that you have to you have to hand load but for most things that we're doing actually factory ammunition is just fine and so let me back up a second and say that uh, you know obviously there's left and right limits and so I'm going to talk about cutting right down that middle and how I use it. So, what I typically do, let's let's start with a craft drill just for instance. If I'm training and I'm doing the craft drill and I have factory ammo for whatever the whatever the platform I'm shooting is. I'm going to take one of those positions and that's going to be what I consider the, my baseline metric. And this is actually something that we're programming into the website but haven't figured out the best way to do it. Although, you know, conceptually I have a good, good strategy. But I think that what you need to di- differentiate between is this, the system's capability and your capability. And with factory ammo, obviously the system's capability changes with not only different types of ammunition, but different lot numbers of the same type of ammunition. And so let's take uh, 6.5 Creedmoor, because I, I shoot a lot of factory 6.5 Creedmoor. Now most of my barrels, they're going to shoot the factory 6.5 Creedmoor at about a half inch um, but the point of impact might shift a little bit, such that I have if I have one lot or one type of ammo, uh, you know, I might be a tenth or two off, depending on the weight and the speed of those bullets. Now, at 100 yards, we're not talking about necessarily the, paying attention to the same things as shooting at a distance, because rather than, than precision and accuracy, then we're going to be talking about ballistics, uh, external ballistics, like velocity, bullet weight, uh, and wind. But Let's, for, for a moment, let's talk about 100 yards. And I'm going to do the craft drill just as a, a demonstration. So I'm going to shoot standing, kneeling, seated, prone. If I'm training, I, I don't just shoot 12 rounds, right? I usually shoot a box of ammo, like 20 rounds. And sometimes I'll shoot 30 or, or, or I'll do a test of 10 and I'll shoot something like that. But I'll, I'll keep doing those positions. Or I'll do all four positions and whatever my weakest position was, then I'll shoot an additional 20 rounds in that weaker position. And that that kind of reflects back to the episode that we just had on isolating out a weakness and bringing that back to acceptable or bringing that up a little bit each time. And so uh, in all of those circumstances, I'm going to take my best group, and my best group is going to represent... Now, I'm talking about just the group, like what you see on the Internet. You're going to take your ballistics, whatever app, and you're going to say, wow, look at this, you're going to disregard your point of aim, you're going to look at the smallest group, and for instance, if I'm shooting 30, 30 shots, right, out of four positions, um, that's, that's seven and a half shots, uh, mathematically speaking, right, so, so let's say it's eight shots, that's an eight-shot group, and I'm going to take my smallest group out of those four positions, that's a minimum of eight shots, And I'm gonna say, that's what my baseline is for my system, my system capability with that ammo size. And when I'm training, I'm not super particular about like, you know, do I spin my turrets to zero or, or, you know, whatever. I'm gonna, you know, I'll shoot it, and if it's off, I'll note, okay, it was off, and then I might fix it for the other ones. But for that one, I might just keep it there and I'll note, okay, you know, my, my point of aim was two tenths left with this lot, and I'm not going to spin my turret. Sometimes I'll dial it if I'm checking my zero, but most of the time what I do is I just put up the targets, and I just get, get, get to business. And if it's all to the left, then I know that, that for, for, you know, that drill, my zero is, is to the left, and I'm paying attention to that. And uh, I'm, I'm taking note of that general shift, but I'm very well aware of my point of impact trends, and so if it's off of that kind of one-tenth left of center as a whole, that, that's kind of where my groups end up migrating towards when I do high-volume multi-position shooting. Uh, regardless of my zero, I'll, I tend to just a little bit drift, drift to the left on paper. If it's off of that, then uh, I may or may not um, actually try to correct for it. I'm just going to shoot, and I'm going to make note as that is my zero reference, my point of aim, and then I'm going to take note of the, of the big... Uh, size, but I'm getting a little bit distracted. I do note the size, right? Like what 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 people usually use to brag about how good their their everything shoots is, regardless of the point of aim, the smallest of those four positions, which is usually all right. It's either uh, some sort of a a, a mod uh like a mid kneeling or or my standing tends to be tends to be the best. I can do pretty good. Um, and all of them and prone prone isn't bad, but I don't shoot prone, uh, often. And if I go out to distance, I usually continue to do standing and kneeling. Uh, but, but regardless, I'm going to take that smallest group and I'm going to say that that's my system group. So my system, and then what I do is I take the overall group and you can do this. Like I'm a visual person. So if you draw, let's say you draw a one inch circle and that's your system group, but you actually shot an inch and a half, right? So now you're going to take, uh, 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 like essentially a, you're going to make a, a quarter inch, you know, top down left and right on that one inch circle. And I'll make like a dotted line. Right. And so that's the deviation between my skill level and my system level. And if so, if that's a, uh, if, if there's a half inch or a one inch or a two inch, that'll be consistent and I'll make note of that. And so, um, you just need a reference for your system capability. And again, it's we're not talking about a three-shot group, right? Because statistically speaking, a three-shot group, if you make it a 10-shot group, is gonna be bigger no matter what. And you need to do this after the fact, when you have a piece of paper with 30 holes in it, 40 holes in it, 50 holes in it. Now you're gonna have a realistic understanding of where does your system with that ammunition shoot. And so let's say for instance, um, you know, I've been screwing around with tuners and I got this Eric Cortina tuner and for some reason, the either the barrel, and I, I went and bought a case of factory ammo so I didn't get to pick lots or do anything like that. But that particular ammo, uh, which is pretty funny because the barrel, ammo, tuner combination was about an inch. And I said, oh, I could take anything that you know maybe shoots an inch and make it half inch. It was impossible. Like it, I could tune it bigger than an inch but I really couldn't get it any smaller than about three-quarters of an inch. And so I thought, there's something wrong with this, but I can't figure out what the component is. But that doesn't mean that I can't have training value and grow, even though the rifle, barrel, ammo, tuner combination just can't produce competitive um, tuning or competitive size groups. No, because the system itself... Let's say you have an ammo-barrel combination that the very best you could do with eight shots is an inch and a half. Now, if you're shooting a one MOA plate, you're going to have problems. But we're shooting paper at 100. It really doesn't matter at all how good your rifle shoots or the ammo. You just need to know How good does it shoot? And can you measure that? So the way you do that is you just take that uh, one of those positions and whatever the smallest one is, say that's my base, that's the system baseline. And so that's an inch and a half circle. And if you take your craft number after that and it's one inch bigger, right? So it's gonna be a half inch on any side of that circle, that dotted line, you know, you've got a one inch. Uh, shooter ratio is kind of what I'm thinking of calling it, right? Or a skill number or a shooter ratio. But basically, it's the ratio between the the system itself and your capability. And that ratio is going to stay the same regardless of how small your groups are. So if you have a one-inch deviation between your ability and that ammo, if you have an inch-and-a-half shooting system then you're going to have two and a half inch group, right? Now you might think, oh my God, you know, I shot two and a half inches, like I must be doing terrible. No, you're not doing terrible. What you have to do is make sure that you keep in mind that that one inch difference is really the measurement of you, the shooter, not the system. And and by doing that, it doesn't matter how good your rifle shoots. It doesn't matter how good the ammo is. It means that you need to measure that ratio because if you had a one whole group, shooting ammo let's just say like you know in some crazy dream that you couldn't wake up from you had ammo rifle combo that would shoot one hole all day every day for 10 shots you're going to shoot a one inch group and so that difference I don't think makes uh, you know I don't think that there's any difference necessarily in training value from a rifle that shoots a one hole group to an inch and a half group What you need to take away is that that difference is going to be consistent across those ammos, but the only way that you're going to know what that is is by measuring the difference between the best group and the overall group and saying, okay, as that one inch comes down to half inch, uh, you'll be able to track that and measure that. And that should be the case regardless of ammo shooter." So I think when it comes to factory ammo, I don't give a shit what it shoots like, unless I'm gonna take it out to a competition or I'm gonna take it out and shoot at distance. Because if it shoots two and a half inches, I'm gonna to have to shoot at huge targets to hit it. And that's not a measure of my skill, right? Now we're just gambling with lead and we're playing roulette or, or some sort of a gambling uh, uh, game at distance. And so you wanna make sure that um, when you're shooting at a target at distance, you understand that you know, your wind reading ability and your shooting size ability you know, that overall shooter bracket, that shooter bracket stays within the size of the target. And then the difference between the size of your shooter bracket and the target is going to be the win budget that you have. And if they exceed the size of the target, then your probability of hit is going to be under 100 or under 95%, or however you're going to measure statistically, the hit probability. And at that point, there's not a whole lot to learn because... I don't like the idea of shooting at something for training knowing that even if I do everything right, I could miss, right? Because now you're not learning anything. You're just getting feedback that, well, you hit or miss, but it, it, it may or may not have been because you did everything right. So factory ammo, standards for training, measure that smallest group of a high volume group, right? So let's say most shooters shoot the best prone. When you're done with your training day separately from your craft number, from your shooter bracket, separately, just measure the size of that prone group. That's going to be your baseline. And now you're going to compare that baseline group, right, not to the size of the overall group, but the size of the shooter bracket. So when you're measuring your skill, you have to always consider the point of aim as the center of that circle and the center of the outermost impact, right? Now, I, I use the edge of the bullet because it's easier for me to measure, but theoretically, it's the center of that outermost bullet hole is where you would measure it to, right? When you're measuring group size or something like that, people that get really particular, they aim, they measure from the center to the center of those bullet holes. And so I think you'd measure from the center of that uh from your point of aim, the specific point of your point of aim, to the center of your outermost bullet hole, right? Because the diameter, the bullet hole is going to be different based on the caliber that you're shooting. For me, like, I, I like to know general ideas, so I just measure to the outer, you know, the the farthest part of the outermost hole to the center of that group. That That's what makes your shooter bracket. That's where all of your, and then you're going to subtract that from the, um, the baseline group size that you have, and now you have the system to shooter ratio. And because the system is always going to be a base number, and the shooter ratio is always going to be bigger. Now, if you did like a two shot group, um, you might be able to to beat that system, but it's always going to be a, a a relation a percentage relationship, right? Because that shooter overall group is always going to be bigger than the system group. So you're always going to have a percentage, and so that percentage you're going to be able to to, um, track over time also and say, okay, I'm getting better regardless of my ammunition because I'm neutralizing the quality of the ammunition every time I go out by comparing the differences between the two. So to make a short story long, I think factoring ammo uh, quality... um, is is a loaded question, but the but it but it's very easy for me to explain. Get anything you want, you know, it, whatever's the cheapest that you could shoot a lot of. That's awesome. It doesn't have to shoot one hole. It doesn't have to shoot an inch. Shit, it could be three inches. But if you're if you've always if you've got a one inch or an inch and a half addition to whatever your baseline is, if you have three inch ammo, you're going to shoot a four and a half inch uh, shooter bracket, and great you know you could you could measure your success uh as you as you do that so rock on go with the cheapest ammo and just make sure that you're measuring the right stuff all right so uh i think that uh is is cool now the next question has nothing to do with that really it is you know i shoot a lot of factory ammo but i don't have a chronograph um i made up uh so 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 this guy shoots a lot of uh factory ammo and uh, doesn't have a chronograph, is it okay to, um, I just enter this velocity and go, all right, so here's where people are gonna, like, kind of lose their marbles, but I I think it's totally fine, and I've got a a personal story that I could tell you from when I was first starting out, and then I could tell you kind of more anally how people would, like, lose their mind if they found out that you went to a competition with no chronograph and just had some random factory ammo and expect to hit stuff, you know, I, it, 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 we've got, you know, we've got a spectrum going from like zero to infinity in terms of the possibilities of explanations. But here, I do have to fall back onto the the side of the equation that that falls into the applied ballistics neighborhood. Um, you know, we've got these awesome calculators and we've got these awesome tools that we can use to calculate what we need to do to hit a target at a distance. But to best calculate that, we have to have the best information. Um, So the best inputs that we have equals the best outputs that we expect. And you can't argue with that, right? Because that really is science, and you can't argue with science. The, The other side of that statement you see a lot, and I think Ryan Hay says it a lot, because he has to deal with people... Who may or may not understand how to use a Kestrel or a magneto speed, and some of those are the devices that people are using to try to calculate, you know, what what they're going to do in order to try to hit a target a distance. He said that if you put garbage in, you get garbage out. Meaning, if you enter a number and that number is not measured accurately or it's inappropriately measured, the calculator is going to give you an answer that won't work. And so people say, oh, my Kestrel. You know, it looks like it's broken because you know I've got a target at 800 yards and I can't hit it. But when I do, you know, whatever, you know, something's wrong with the Kestrel. And then you look through there and you say, oh well, you know, you have it in meters and you're shooting in yards, or something like that, or you put in 26 feet per second, not 2600 feet per second. And you, could, I mean, I'm making that up, but you could you could imagine how if you put in the wrong input, um, you know then you could get the wrong output and it's pretty easy to do because there's a lot of inputs that you could put in and there's a lot of outputs that you could get as a result of bad inputs so i'm a big proponent of having the most accurate system calculated firing solutions like i, I you know i can't state that enough We've developed this machinery and these tools that can make decisions for us in terms of calculations of trajectory and and, and ballistic solutions. I, you know, I, I think it's you know f- falling back on the oh well, I just keep a data book and I rifle through this book in order to figure out how to make this shot. Like, why we have these computers in our hands that can that can make those calculations for us? But you have to have the right information. So, I don't. I won't make up a number. Um, I mean, I, I understand that if I'm shooting a a factory. Creedmore 140, 6.5 Creedmore, you know, 140 grain bullet. And, you know, it's going to be somewhere around the 2,700 feet per second, something like that. I've seen it at 28 and I've seen it at 26, but it's probably going to average somewhere around 2,700 feet per second. Am I going to just pl- plug that into my kestrel? P- probably not, right? Um, if If I'm going to try to fish out, a, sol- a firing solution There's some other things That I'm going to do So I'm going to assume That I'm I'm going to walk you Through my steps So I don't have a chronograph And somehow I went out And I got a a, a, um, a case of ammo Let's say Let's say somebody gave me Like 10 boxes Of ammo And I look On the box It's going to actually Have the lot number So I'm going to sort them By lots Because each box You're going to have to do The same thing Even if it's the same ammo Like if I go by you know, some brand of 6.5 Creedmoor ammo, and they're different lots, I'm not gonna assume they're gonna shoot the same. Now, they're gonna be pretty close, right? But I'm not gonna assume that they shoot the same. So if I'm trying to get to the bottom of making the best firing solution that I possibly can. So I'm gonna look at the box, and I'm gonna enter the information that I can get from the box into my kestrel, like the bullet diameter. Bullet, like I don't know if the bullet length is in there but, but a lot of them have that in there or if you have your cell phone awesome you can get a lot of cool information from your cell phone I think what's important is that you're going to want to have you know your rifle barrel twist I think you're going to want to have your height over bore I think you're going to want to have the bullet diameter and the bullet length especially if you have spin drift turned on I think and you're going to rely on your wind call you want to make sure that the bullet length is in there I think that you're going to want to have the BC from the box in there. And the reason I think that those things are important, and I know people are going to say, well, the BC changes here and there. But, you know, people do a lot of research and and they do a lot of product development. And when you hear the results of tests that are done on, say, on burger bullets, and they have a very small standard deviation of their BCs, I'm going to lean towards trusting them more than I'm going to lean towards trusting somebody on the internet. A, because those guys have kept their jobs and their jobs are to test and maintain the consistency of their bullet BC. And, you know, they're educated and trained on how to do that. And so I'm going to trust the BC on the box and you, and, and I may in some circumstances fiddle with it to a tiny extent or in the Hornady, uh, whatchamacallit, Kestrel, I might mess with the axial form factor a little bit at the end, but I'm going to start with numbers that I'm going to trust more than others. And I'm going to trust the BC on the box more than I'm going to trust just making up a BC based on some random something else. Then what I'm going to do is, you know, yeah, I might, I'm going to check it zero and make sure that the rifle's zeroed. And then what I'm going to do is you know, knowing that it's going to be around twenty seven hundred feet per second, I might try to make my best estimate of you know what am I going to hold up to hit a target at distance five or six hundred yards. I also know that as you start going out from a hundred, the six five Creedmoor, you know, is going to be like point like seven ish, like point seven point eight mills per 100 yards after 300. So it's probably going to be like at 300 yards, I'm going to be around a mill. And at 400 yards, I'm going to be around 1.6. And then it's going to start to go up like 1.7 for 500. So, um, or, or I mean point, another 0.7, and then it's probably going to go up 0.8, and then it's probably going to stay around 0.8 for a while, and then it's going to go up to 0.9 or something like that. So if I'm just trying to get on a plate to start with at 500 yards, I'm probably going to use some sort of balancing between you know I'm expecting it to be in the 2700 plus or minus 50 feet per second and or you know after 300 yards most of the rifles that we shoot you know they're around a mil and then they start to go up you know maybe 0.6 to the next 100 and then 0.7 to the next 100 and then somewhere between 0.7 and 0.9 for a couple hundred after that so I'm I'm not too worried about hitting 500, 600 yards like pretty quickly if I have a good zero. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to enter everything except for um, my velocity, right? And I'm going to make my best estimate at 500 yards. So I'm going to put a a plate or a piece of paper or something that can measure very precisely. And then I'm going to dial up something. Um, Let's say it's 500 yards, I'm gonna make my best guess. So I got 300, 400, 500. I'm gonna start at point. I'm gonna start at one mil at 300. So then I'm gonna add um, another 1.3 mil. So I'm gonna. So I'm just gonna guess that I'm gonna shoot 2.3 mils at 500 yards. Hit or miss. I'm gonna shoot at it, and then I'm gonna correct. Even if I hit it, I'm gonna try to get center or have a, a water line or something like that where I can uh, try to get it to center whatever it is, you know, if I'm going to add velocity or add mills or take away mills, and then I'm going to go into my ballistic calculator once I'm pretty sure that, let's say I shot five shots and they're all centered on that water line at 500 or 600 yards, maybe even 700 yards. I'm going to take those five shots and maybe, let's say I don't have a ton of bullets, so I, I don't have a lot to waste. Then if I, if I hit, that plate, I'm going to keep it at the setting that it was at, but I'm going to measure in tenths to where I was actually aiming, so I could say, okay, if it went up, you know, a tenth or two, it would have been waterline, so I'm going to, you know, pretend that it was two tenths higher, and I'm going to reverse calculate that hold with velocity till my magnetos, or till my kestrel lines up, and I'm going to go with that velocity. Does that make sense? I'm going to enter the bullet length. I'm going to enter the BC. I'm going to enter the barrel twist. I'm going to enter the height over bore. I'm going to enter the um, the atmospherics. You know, the wind, the, the density, altitude. Everything that I have data for, I'm going to enter. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to shoot the target and get to a point where I can measure with my reticle the elevation required to hit where I, not just hit the plate itself, but to hit exactly where I was intending to aim. And then I'm going to add the velocity to the point where it matches the setting on my turrets. That's what I would do if I don't have a chronograph. And... That's because I'm trying to keep the best inputs, the best inputs. And the only one that's in question is velocity, and that's the best that I can do to do that. I'm not going to necessarily enter the velocity that's on the box because that could be different. Although it might be a good starting point, that's the variable that you don't have control over. But realistically, you know, if I if I'm gonna go out without if I if I end up somewhere without a Kestrel. Yeah, I know my my zero is going to be good. Then I'm and and I'm just going out to figure out what the the velocity is or something like that. That's what I would do uh, at this point to calculate that and run from there. And I, I know that this isn't like something I I didn't make this up. I know people validate they validate velocity at a distance and then they validate BC out you know just inside of transonic. And people really love to do that. I tend to trust the b c and I tweak the b c maybe a little bit, but it really depends on the environmental conditions and and We're talking about shooting beyond the distance that I'm realistically going to be shooting at or even competing at. you know if you're shooting at fifteen hundred yards, it's normally not a distance we' we're, we're competing at, and so being able to hit it and maybe you know change your axial form factor so that it changes a tenth at 1,500 yards, uh, yeah, it, it's cool because you want to have the best inputs so that you could have the best outputs. But you know, inside of 1,000 yards, I mean, I basically think at 1,200 yards and in is where we're competing, and for the most part, we're competing inside of 1,000 or even in, inside 900. Um, you want to validate as far as you can and accurately and reliably hit considering the environmentals, but environmentals play a huge role at distance, and those are things that you can get some pretty screwy beta back from, sorry, that was a climbing term, um, you get some pretty screwy information or feedback if the environmentals are weird, and so I, w- I don't necessarily always trust my impacts at 1,200 like I trust my impacts at at 1,000, and so where I go to, to kind of validate some of this stuff, I don't, it's not fixed distance because I just drive away from my car. But you know, somewhere from 1,000 to 1,100 yards, that's about the max that I trust my data without really going back over several days because of the, the differences um, that I might see with environmental effects like wind, whether it's from the right or left, or the, if there's lift or if there's some weird uh, stuff going on to me. Past 1,000 yards, I don't tend to trust in one single day of data collection my super far shots because I do see some differences that can play in based on the weather and the, the, the light and all sorts of crazy things. Um, I'm not going to adjust too much on my ballistic solver based on feedback that I get at a super, super far shot. But 1,000 yards, I trust it. 900 yards, I trust it. 800 you know and it's going to start coning in from there where it's really reliable and really you should be trusting most of the bc bullet length you know all that stuff and and then um and also understanding that you know if you're listening to this you train you understand the craft stuff like you you know you're shooting at a targeted distance but keep in mind that that you know if 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 your groups are an inch and you're shooting at a thousand yards you're going to have a 10 inch variation right in your groups at a, at a thousand yards under the best circumstances you know, assuming you're shooting an inch but let's say or morgan you know if morgan king says okay well he he always shoots a tenth you know still at a, at a at a at a thousand yards you know we're we're talking about um you know maybe four inches of of uh of spread up or down. So I'm going to want to take like five or six shots and measure the size of that whole group and where the center of that whole group is at a distance, not just one, two, three, but maybe, you know, and if if I'm trying to validate it for a competition or something, I might take 10 shots uh, as a group at distance once I feel like that data is good, and then I'm going to take the average of that and and decide from there. But you definitely want to have high volume, high repetition in terms of feedback because there are so many variables that could play into... Um, bullets at a distance, and if we can't even control the shooter end, now we're, we're stacking in a lot of unknowns, and so the farther you get from the shooter, the more unknowns you're stacking, and that's what I would do. Now, the story that I was going to tell you is that when I was um, first starting out to shoot, I went to a competition, and I was shooting six Greedmoor, and, you know, that's, that's not really interesting or uh, unique, but I was shooting um, factory ammo, and I went to this competition, and uh, we were screwing around the day before the match. And then after the first day of the match, you know, I like to screw around and keep shooting. And I shot too much ammo, and so I didn't have enough ammo to finish the match. And I think I had three or four stages left. I thought, oh, shit, I'm gonna, I'm out of ammo. Well, uh, Travis Ishida was like, hey, I got a box or two I can give you. So he gave me, like, two boxes. And then um, that gal, Christy Titus, was there, and she had... Uh, she shoots, shoots for and she's like, oh, I got a couple boxes I can give you, so I got a couple boxes from him, a couple boxes from her, and I was really worried, like, man, I didn't check the zero, I didn't chronograph this, like, it w- I was in the same predicament, like, whoa, you know, I came here with this info, but now I got two different lots of, of factory ammo to shoot, you know, th- four stages, and basically, they gave me enough where I could shoot four stages, oh my gosh, of course, I want to try to do well, and I'm starting to second guess, like, I didn't check the zero, I didn't check the the chronograph, how's this going to work? And Travis says, man, just trust it. Like, I bet, I bet you'll do fine. And my hip percentage on the last four stages was just the same as my hip percentage on those stages prior to that, if you kind of averaged them all out. And so, um, the, the point here is that sometimes, you know, sometimes it's okay and sometimes it isn't. Now, when I've checked since then, I've been, you know, really curious about that because it worked out fine for me. Like, you know, but but back then my hit percentage was like seventy percent. So whether I don't I don't think I missed over or under, um, and and I think that you know if 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 you if I test factory ammo, it tends to be within a tenth or two of my point of aim uh, of, of any. Now, when you're making your zero, obviously you want that tenth or two to be zeroed out, and you want to be super confident in it. But in reality, most of that stuff. Now, you don't want to just say, oh, screw it, zero doesn't matter, because absolutely it matters. But if you're at a competition and, and you were shooting factory ammo and somebody else gave you another lot of factory ammo, odds are it's going to be close enough that that you'll be okay. But but clearly, that has a lot of issues. And you, you can't totally trust it, but when I've done that, it's worked out okay. Um, clearly, you wouldn't do it in some scenarios you would never want to do it hunting, you would never want to do it, you know, in, in uh, some, some other scenarios shooting at distance because obviously the input that you, you want the best inputs to get the best outputs. But at a competition, and for me, it, it worked out all right. And, and when I've tested it here, my zero tends to be a 10th or two off, but the velocities can be, you know, sometimes up to 100 feet per second different. Now in that 100 feet per second window, does it matter that much? I don't know. I went to a hunter match and I deliberately made a load that had a hundred feet per second extreme spread. It was actually a little bit over a hundred um, but um, and my hit percentage didn't change at the hunter match because we're shooting inside largely inside of 700 yards for those matches. There were a couple shots that were farther than that, but I didn't hit them so uh, you know which may not surprise you, but I don't one of them I didn't shoot at. One of them I missed but didn't see the miss. Um but inside of that I didn't miss any because of uh elevation. Again, most of the most of the points lost at Hunter matches, I think, are shots that you didn't take at all. But it didn't change anything for me. The way you would test that is, you say, okay, well, you know, you enter the the, the standard deviation, right? So, if so, if you've got a standard deviation of eight, so add eight for p- feet per second, and then take away eight feet per second from your average, and see if the elevation difference is greater than the size of the target that you're shooting at, and you could probably see what you can get away with. But if you're shooting something, um, let's say you're shooting uh, a uh, a twenty-inch target at a thousand yards. And you're aiming dead center. If you, whatever the feet per second that you add and take away, if it's greater than 20, then yes, it'll make a big difference. Uh, But, or it'll make a difference, you know, ultimately. But statistically speaking, that bell curve, they're going to average towards the center. So will it be that shot? I don't know. Um, If you're trying to win the match, I wouldn't do it. If you're trying to get top 10, depends who comes. Really, you want to try to give yourself the most budget possible, but sometimes people overthink that. And so you need to ask yourself, and I, I need to do the same thing, but but I guess that's that's where I end up here, is you need to ask yourself, what's the philosophy you use? And what I mean by that is what are you shooting at? If you're shooting at a 20-inch plate, Is that spread of velocity up and down enough that it's going to put you over the plate or under the plate? Or does it keep it within it? That velocity difference in these windows typically doesn't change the wind holds that you would hold enough to make a difference. But you do see it vertically. So I make a big deal about wind and wind being the thing that would matter. And for most of us, it is. But that's assuming that you have the vertical budget to hit the target in the first place. Otherwise, you may or may not be missing it because of, because of that. But if you have an accurate range and you've got that vertical budget that you would determine by adding the feet per second and taking away the feet per second in that spread to say, oh, I could hit those targets anyway. Um, you know, If you're shooting a 12-inch um, coyote or something, I don't know how big these targets are, but let's say it's a 12 inch coyote at 600 yards. If you add 100 feet per second or take away 100 feet per second, my guess is that most of the rifles that we're shooting, that difference in elevation isn't gonna be greater than 12 inches at 600 yards. And that's two MOA, right? It's gonna still be inside that target's window. And that's why I went to try to go do that test and I was convinced that you could get away with it at a hunter match, there's no way you could get away with it at a PRS match because they're shooting targets that are too small, top to bottom, at distances that are probably um, only maybe allow for, you know, I, I, you could figure it out with a calculator, so I'm not even gonna guess, but that's what I would do. So anyway, to make a short story long, um, yes, absolutely. You, you can get just the same training value from factory ammo, and if you don't have a chronograph, it's not a big deal, but you're going to have to spend a few extra rounds getting to the bottom of your velocity by shooting at a target and making sure that you back-calculate that stuff with the rest of your inputs being good. And, um, and then you're good to go. So, uh, until next time.